You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He beat you by point three. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Kura and Brazilian Tide. He is here. Working his life away in beautiful British Columbia. Is that area of British Columbia beautiful, though? I'm over it. (laughs) Just so over it. (laughs) Hey, we should start the show, and it has been uh, talked about a lot for obvious reasons. Uh, Doug Mitchell has passed away, a very familiar name in Canada. He was the sixth commissioner of the CFL in the mid-'80s. He was a member of the Board of Governors. He was big with the Calgary Stampeders. I I think I heard, well, of course, there's the Mitchell Bowl in U Sports. Mm -hmm. And I think I heard he was in six Halls of Fame. I mean, anytime you're in one Hall of Fame, that's pretty impressive. If you're in six. That's got to be a record. (laughs) that's, That's next level. And the football world. Had another loss in in Regina, Kelly Hamilton passing away. He spent 28 years with the fire department. He was a captain there, but he had a pretty big tenure. He was the volunteer president of Regina Minor Football. He's so well-known in Saskatchewan, and I think just with the Canadian football community. So just wanted to start the show and mention uh, Kelly Hamilton and uh, Doug Mitchell, this episode of To and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. So they offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them. And for you, you've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business and Alberta Blue Cross has your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right, Ty, the first game of week seven. (laughs) <laughs> the Montreal Alouettes beating the Ottawa Red Blacks 40-33. So here we are. The Red Blacks are 0-6 on the season. But the phrase of this game was the command center. <laughs> we could probably talk an hour about this whole thing because it felt like the last minute and a half of the game took an hour. <laughs> yeah, like I almost got the end of it. <laughs> like... But it's like it. I don't know what is going on in the NHL when it comes to reviews half the time. I don't know what's going on with Major League Baseball. They are getting better now. They're announcing stuff. But even sometimes they, I don't get that call. The CFL just seems to be a cone of secrecy right? and, and just inconsistent. And then you get what we got Thursday night. 
and, and yeah, we, we come out, we defend the league, you know, when people call it a joke and, you know, it's professional football and, and we love this league, but they make it real hard some days to take them seriously when it's just so bad sometimes and so inconsistent. Man, there there was a couple plays inside that last two minutes where I, I like I was saying before we hit record. If you press, I mean, if you watch that in full speed, especially the hit, uh, I think it was Mike Moore had on William Powell. I think maybe when you slow it down, you see, okay, the arm was on the chest plate or whatever, but it looked like an awkward, violent, full speed hit kind of thing. Then you slow it down and you see it at, you know, slowed down by 500 times. Okay, it's not a high hit. So some of that stuff, (laughs) but should the command center have that much power? Because that's part of the, that's, that's, that's a general question when it comes to all of sports, right? Yeah, do you want complete robotic officials? Because then you know what's happening? If you're a Jays fan, you know what's happening to Alejandro Kirk? He's getting sent down if he can't hit. Because yeah. all he does is frame pitches behind the plate. He's so right. good defensively. A robot up is not going to be calling. That would be a big part of baseball. It's that big, would be massive. It's huge. In, in football, I mean, I it's so hard. The game, we talk about how fast hockey is. I mean, football, there's lots of downtime. And when the play does happen, stuff does happen that, you know, people are in awkward positions trying to make plays and stuff like that can happen. Or, you know, using it to – they didn't have to use it in the Ryder game. It was pretty obvious. Yep. But, like, the defensive line jumping and and causing the procedure. So, like, stuff like that, I get. But we can't be spending this much time reviewing plays at the end. Like, not even – forget this, the end of the game at any time. We, we it, It's just you're shooting yourselves in the foot. You're making your referees look inept. You're making your command center look inept because it's taking them this long. And obviously, if it's taking them this long, it's pretty friggin' ticky tack. Yeah, the, yeah, right. And I know, I know, calling a high hit ticky tack. It, it sounds like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if it's that close, you have to slow it down that much. Then the call on the field is the right call. I'm sorry, but you have to be able to call this at at least. Games like that game speed is what it should be called. That now I get ball placement, I get you know the the offensive line moving stuff like that. But hits and stuff you slow you slow them down. Any hit or any ta- like you look at some hits, they look real clean. You slow them down. The shoulder makes contact with the helmet, you know, a split second before anything else. Well, technically you can call a high hit on that. Are you going to do that? Is that what we want? Because I don't. Do we want football games taking five hours? Like, well, it gets to a point like, like, what's the point of a ref? <laughs> Is yeah. he there to just make sure the players aren't fighting each other? Like, <laughs> more or less, right? Like that's, that's what, like what it feels like. You, you have to have that human element, and I get the argument of yeah. wanting of people wanting just get it right. Okay, that's what we brought in review for, and then there wasn't enough plays that were reviewable. So they expanded it and then coaches started fishing. So they took some stuff away and now it, it's just how much power do you want the command center and this review uh, team to have before it's just, we just have one guy out there to announce the penalties and, and hope the players can police themselves because that's not going to work. So if you got the guys out there, why aren't they just calling the game and you have that command center? I, 
I don't even know if we should be reviewing penalties other than maybe quarterback uh, or roughing the passer. Like, I really don't think we should be able to review pass interference. Has there been egregious ones missed? Yes. But we see it in the NHL with offside. It was one goal by Matt Duchesne. That's why, the, that's why that came in. And now we see overtime winners being challenged because coaches can. It's like, yeah, just take a look. Yeah. That's not what it's for. It's not what it's for. If it's big, like rough in the past or stuff, I get, especially when it comes to injuries and stuff. Like, I mean, if, if that Garrett Marino isn't called, if that Garrett Marino plays and called in the field and the command center calls it down and says, no, that's a penalty. I, I, I get that when it comes to, you know, roughing the passer and stuff like that. But I mean, we have to draw a line somewhere and the, the judgment calls, I don't think should be reviewable. Like you slow it down. Well, yeah, every, every DB is early you know, jumping a route. So then, and then at what point when they're early, are they going for the ball or are they now interfering with the, you know, are they kind of bumping the receiver out to get the ball? They both have a right to the ball. So now it comes down to interpretation. It's just, I'm just, it's infuriating when it takes that long. If it takes that long, just scrap it. It's done. Call the field stands, move on. It's at some point, the refs have to have control. And and the command center, yeah, for egregious stuff, I get, but it just, it gets a little ridiculous at times. Well, it becomes uh, sometimes they they get involved on obvious things, and then sometimes they don't. So, yeah. w- what are we doing? Are we all in? Or are we all out? Or sometimes it, it, in? Or what? Yeah, the inconsistency too, right? And yeah, we talked about it before last week. Oakman on Fajardo didn't get called. I completely agreed with it. This week, very kind of similar, same, very similar kind of same thing happens and it gets called. I know that uh, in the in the rider situation, there was holding on the offensive lineman. So I guess mm-hmm. I guess Oakman was trying to do his best to get to the quarterback. But still, it's grabbing the guy at the knee. So but it wasn't well, a forceful <laughs> blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what it says in the rule book. If that's a forceful blow. Yeah. <laughs> We're missing calls on every single play. That's true. I mean, in this one, Montreal did their best to lose. They absolutely did. Uh, Chandler Worthy was fighting it throughout the game. He he fumbled, you know, the very first kickoff return. But Ottawa just could not capitalize on those mistakes. So while we can talk about the, the calls that didn't go their way at the end of the game, they kicked the 13-yard field goal. They kicked a 15-yard field goal. They just were not finishing drives. And, oh, man, Darvin Adams gets that catch 99 out of 100 times. And he dropped that one on the carpet. He had a 100-yard day. So he he had his first touchdown as a red-black earlier on. And that one... Hitting the carpet was a tough one for Darvin Adams, but it's just that happens at any other point. Nobody cares. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just the way that things have gone for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Owen six, too much pressure on them. Too much pressure. <laughs> Four wins in their past thirty six games. Man, this is a rough, rough stretch in Ottawa. Yeah, and you know, shout out to those fans that are still showing up. Yeah. I man, we we we've seen it in Arizona is a bad 
a bad example just because it's not a hockey market, but like you see it in Chicago, for example, where they were playing in front of 4,000 people. The games weren't being televised because the team wasn't any good. Adrian Coin could yell at his kids across the arena <laughs> if they were being dinked. <laughs> like that's how that's how quiet it was in there, right? The fans are still showing up in Ottawa. They're paying full price for beer, which is ridiculous. Like, there's just they're just putting up with it. Well, that's the thing. We this we can pay back for wanting Dom Davis to be. Yeah, we can we can crap on Edmonton too, but they haven't won a home game since 2019. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, if the team's not winning for a thousand days at a time. What, Can you what's... blame people if they stop showing up? No. You brought up uh, Dom Davis. Yeah. I didn't have the guts to put him in my fantasy lineup. No, but... but you put Caleb Evans in. Like, what are hey. we doing here? <laughs> Look Two at this. in a row, he's been the freaking quarterback fantasy point leader. Six carries, six yards, three touchdowns. What That's was that worth happened. on the fantasy board? I knew you were going to ask it, and I don't know why I minimized the window. <laughs> uh, Dom Davis, 18.6 points, good for fourth. <laughs> Behind Caleb Evans and Trevor Harris and MVP. Just like just like we had it drawn up. Oh, hey, yeah. tr- tr- Trevor Harris didn't uh, – I mean, he didn't turn the ball over. 25 of 31, two touchdowns, playing his long team or his old team, including a 69-yard reception to Herjie Mayala. Nice. That was a big one. Gino Lewis getting the touchdown. <laughs> he only had said. four catches for 28 <laughs> yards, five for 99. But it was those uh, those breakdowns for Ottawa. Like the, Their defense, I thought, has played pretty well this season. But that long reception to Mayala, the 55-yard run to Jeshrin Antwi, and Ottawa not being able to finish those drives on offense just cost them that game. You have to capitalize on mistakes, and the, and the defense is making plays. And the offense comes in. And I, I don't know if inept is the word. Well, Caleb Evans, it well. It, it doesn't strike fear in anybody. Like Caleb Evans said two good weeks. Are we scared of the Ottawa offense right now? Not scared of them, but I, I mean. they have potential. You have William Powell. You have yeah. uh, a guy like Jalen Acklin. You still have Darvin Adams. Like there, there is pieces there. They just haven't put it all together yet. And I think, you know, over time, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to probably stick with Caleb. I mean, he's playing pretty damn well. The more consistency you get, they're still, they're still in this. They're three games back. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> I, you know, that they, they they put they can put it all together and, and get hot. I, I don't know if that means you know. Playing five or not even playing five hundred, winning two of two of their next four, playing five hundred in the next four games. Are we considering that a hot streak for Ottawa at this point? I think probably, and it puts them right back in the hunt. But right now, like I'm not worried about them coming in and putting up forty on somebody. No, no. Nick Arbuckle comes in. He has the one completion for forty seven yards. So we'll see. Oh, if you they should start. have heard the radio broadcast. It was. <laughs> It was the greatest play in Red Black history. <laughs> we'll see if they start getting him in there. But Jalen Acklin is emerged as the number one guy in that Ottawa offense. Back to back hundred yard weeks. He's definitely got something. Well, he had the forty seven yard catch from Nick Arbuckle. Caleb Evans was looking his way, and Evans didn't turn the ball over either. 
He had two rushing touchdowns. He had the passing touchdown, 25 of 40. It, it definitely, it's his second year. He's looking more comfortable in there. Would have liked, I mean, they had some pressure on him, but would have liked him to be a little bit more accurate on some throws. But I, I think Caleb Evans is, he's looking all right. He's looking pretty good. And then and Nate, he's kind of throwing, just throwing into this. Yeah. When, when you look. Nate Bahar ends up having the fumble, and Montreal is able to take advantage of that one. So it's the turnovers, and we'll get to it. Winnipeg, Edmonton turns the ball over. Winnipeg next play, 26-yard touchdown. So that's what the good teams do. They just make you pay for the penalties. They make you pay for the turnovers and all the mistakes there. But Ottawa's here 0-6, and I know the circumstances. They're without their starting quarterback. They started the season against the back-to-back Grey Cup champions. No one's beat them. So, it's I mean, it's it's tough to hold that against Ottawa. Mm-hmm. But... Is Lapo on the hot seat? I don't know. Like, does that much, does the missile injury buy him to the end of the year, and then they make a decision? Well, you know who else doesn't have a contract after this year as a head coach? <laughs> well, Kahari already got fired. Well, it's Mike O'Shea. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, they probably should have paid him before the season started because now he's seven zero. He's gonna make more. He's gonna want more and more money. Look, it's if if you if you listen to Winnipeg, the last two contracts for O'Shea did expire before he extended. And I, I don't, think, I, I don't think he wants to leave. I don't know if he has a desire to be a GM, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's fun to talk about anyway, because this this season, it's nice to have the continuity, though. Mm-hmm. But if things keep going like this, we'll we'll see what Sean Burke does in Ottawa, because he kind of inherited his coach, and uh, <laughs> Montreal let theirs go quite early. We'll see what happens in Ottawa. Uh, the second half of the Thursday night doubleheader had... Uh, I got the scores reversed on the sheet, but the BC Lions beating the Hamilton Tiger Cats 17-12. A weeknight doubleheader is just unnecessary. I agree. Especially and, when your late game is a team from the Eastern time zone. Like, what are we doing? Hey, I, I think, well, who know? I don't know what the stadium availability in Vancouver was, but with the Ryder game moved to Sunday, this would have been a great Saturday night game in uh, in Vancouver. But uh, the I, I was impressed with how Hamilton played overall. They, uh-huh. they had a short week traveling across the country. I, I think a lot, of, a, a lot of people thought they were going to get crushed, but they didn't. But it is still disappointing for Hamilton fans because they had the opportunity. I think mm-hmm. they had three possessions in BC's end in the last few minutes of uh, of the fourth quarter and then just couldn't pull it off. Uh, Marcus yep. Sales broke up the pass, uh, third down, third and 11 in the end zone. Tunde Delicate picks it off, gave Hamilton another possession, but then... Early or actually no, at the end of the first half, missed field goal for the Tie Cats. If they would have had that field goal, that ended up uh, changing the way they had to play at the end of the fourth quarter. But the BC Lions defense, we talked about their offense a lot so far this season, and it's and regressing to the mean like we said it would. Like, their defense no made the would. plays here. Yeah, I mean that they're turning in or not turning into, but they're showing us that they're kind of a complete team. Like 
They're balanced. The first, balanced, yes. Like the first two, three weeks, Bork was out of his mind. Like nobody was beating them. They're putting up 46, 50 points. Like they, you're losing those football games if you're on the other side of that. Yeah. Uh, like he goes 22 of 30 for 250 yards, turns the ball over twice, has two touchdowns. That, I mean, that's not an MOC game. That's not an MOP game. It's good enough to win because the defense was able to hold. Yep. Right. And you're going to have nights like that. Bork's not going to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns every, every week. It's not going to happen. At some point, he's going to have an off night and the defense stepped up. Lucky Whitehead getting his first touchdown of the season. Eight catches for 111 yards. I have a feeling that uh, maybe he's going to start heating up as uh, as the season progresses here. James, I mean, the, the next guy, Keon Hatcher and Dominique Grimes, he should have 42 yards. Yeah. And they're, yeah. They're, they're tied for second for yards on B, for BC receivers. Like, you, you go into BC, you have to be thinking, okay, Lucky's not beating us. That's a guy you – every team knows that that's somebody that's a key on. Eight of nine targets? Like, come on, guys. Credit to Hamilton's defense, too, because James Butler, while he had 13 carries for 76 yards, that includes a 37-yarder. So he had nearly half of his yards on one carry. Hamilton's defense, they kept a minute throughout this game. They took the ball away. They gave the offense the opportunities. They just couldn't do it. Hamilton tried to get the run going. They gave Don Jackson double-digit carries, 3.3 yards a carry. So they're trying to run the ball. It's just not happening. I don't – I wonder if – no, that should be the opposite. I, I don't know. We've had the Donassons last year where he was putting up big numbers. You know, not getting – he wasn't getting, like, you know, Andrew Harris-type numbers when it came to touches. But there was something you had to worry about coming out of the backfield. And teams, I don't think they really have to key on it. But I think maybe it's really recognizable when Hamilton's going to run. And it's easy for that front seven to, to key in to, to fill gaps. Like that's the only thing I can think of because they just they run so little coming into this game that there's, there's got to be something different that defenses are seeing when they are running the football. Braylon Addison is Hamilton's workhorse on offense. Nine catches, 83 yards. He also had two carries uh, for 23 yards. He was uh, tied for the team lead. Stephen Dunbar, five catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown there. But that about wraps up this game. It was a tight game that I think Hamilton just wanted to stay in it to the very end. They had all the opportunities in the world. They definitely gave themselves a chance. To win and, this football game. And BC showed us that, hey, maybe they can win the the grinders, the dirty ones, the ugly ones. We went in the past it looked like they're just going to crush you and yeah. <laughs> have a track meet with you, right? Which, I mean, if they're going to do that, you get into late October, early November, and, and it's really hard to win games like that. It is. So to, show, to start doing it now and get used to doing it now and learning, learning how to win these games, instead of trying to learn how to do it in playoffs, Uh, That could go a long way for this team. Three of the next five games for the Lions are against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The other one. Why does this schedule suck this year? (laughs) The other ones are the Elks and the Stamps. So the Lions have a 
a different little stretch here because the combined record of the teams that they've beaten is not good. <laughs> any, any record or any case so in the West, any team's record against their opponents or any opponent's record That's is true. not good. <laughs> it just isn't. The, this season, oh, man, it's beautiful. The, the CFL's back in all its wackiness. Yeah. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers go into Edmonton, and they I want, win. I want Ottawa to go like somehow, somehow twelve and go six. Like, no, go like <laughs> six and twelve and make it. <laughs> the Bombers beat Edmonton twenty four ten. But here's one where if if I told you the time of possession in this game, you'd say what Winnipeg lost. If I told you. Zach Caleros' stat line, 7 for 16, two interceptions, two touchdowns, 188 yards. And they managed to win, Ty. That one's for you. I am, <laughs> this game is so bad. <laughs> the Elks had the ball for 37 minutes and 14 seconds and lost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I... When you texted that, when you texted the group chat, I think it was at the end of the third quarter what the time of possession was. And I'm like, oh, the Elks probably be up by at least 10. And I looked at what the score was, and I'm like, what the hell is happening in Edmonton right now? The Bombers had it for 10 minutes in the fourth. They, yeah. They, <laughs> they, <laughs> like, it, they basically doubled their time of possession in the fourth quarter alone. And almost but, scored a point per minute. But that shows you what the – what the Bombers take advantage of. Early in the game, there's an interception from Taylor Cornelius. The very next play, a beautiful touchdown pass to Rashid Bailey. It didn't look like it was very defendable. It was just one of those beautiful passes from Zach Kolaris. And then in the fourth, the Elks really, they had a shot. They were in it. They were moving the ball. They had long drives. And the problem is, is those long drives ended in field goals. And what's new? Yeah, exactly. The the more things change, the more they stay the same. And yeah, that then sounds like that sounds like my job in DC. <laughs> Winnipeg follows that up in the fourth quarter. They had a what a fifteen play drive that ate about you know eight or nine minutes off the clock. Nine minutes and twenty seven seconds. <laughs> yeah. And the drive should have ended. But Mac Henry gets called for contacting the kicker. There's yep. there ends up being a Ed Ganey pass interference call. There you go, Drew Brown two yard touchdown pass or uh, run, and uh, that was the dagger that really ended the night for Edmonton there and any chances they had of winning the game. Fifteen play drive aided by two penalties. Like yeah, really like. I know they weren't they weren't leading at the time, but you're, you're shooting yourselves in the foot. I know it's only one drive, and there was a four play drive with only one penalty. But and we saw it too in in, in the Sunday game where um, discipline came into play there near the end of the game. Uh, but when you're playing a team like Winnipeg, any little mistake, like you can't you can't throw a fastball down the middle, can't do it. Deron Carter, yay or nay? 
like as a DB or as a returner? Well, I, I'm mostly talking DB. I mean, <laughs> oh man, that <laughs> Dalton Schoen makes this 40 yard catch, and Deron Carter had every opportunity to get him out of the bound out of bounds or somehow make the tackle. It's no. almost like he's never played DB before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it shouldn't have been a touchdown that long, an 81-yard touchdown. But it ended up being. And then in the next half, he he comes in with an interception. It was yeah. an underthrown ball. It might have been tipped or something. But then he makes a play on defense. He's a hard guy to figure out. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Man, Chris, Chris Jones, Jones literally try anything once. Chris Jones or likes in this him. Case, three or four. Times. <laughs> it's 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 an interesting one to to figure out there. But Edmonton's got you know the six game injured list is a mile long, and I think nine it's of them than their active roster. Yeah, and and nine of them could be considered starters. So the the. the the injury issues in Edmonton are not helping at all. There was a couple of drops. Kenny the King had a he had an opportunity, a big fifty yarder that kind of went through his hands. It wasn't a double coverage, but it, it's hard to when you're getting paid that kind of cash. Those plays so you got to finish you, right. You have to make you got to make the easy plays, and you got to make a lot of you know those difficult. The, ex- the extraordinary plays. And he does that's make those too. Yeah. That's what you're getting paid for, right? Yeah. The, 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 yeah. I, I get it's in double coverage, but you got to, you got to find a way some way because what they're paying him and what they're getting. I don't think after, you know, week two, week three, it's not, it's not getting the value right now. Yeah. He was the, you're also lead- out of a playoff spot. Yeah. All that money. <laughs> he was the leading receiver. So we will say that, but it's a difference when Caleb Hawley can't finish a play and Kenny Lawler can't because who's getting yeah. paid, uh, yeah. paid the big money there. Dal- Dalton Jean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's comes out of nowhere and he's making the big plays in Winnipeg. So they, they, they figured something out there. I, as far as Edmonton goes, Jay Minpelli and Mac Henry up the middle. <laughs> nope. Winnipeg still can't. They couldn't really get the ground game going. And sometimes, are we, are we done? Are we done putting Brady Oliveira in our lineups? Like, I think so because when they get down to the goal line, they they give it to their backup quarterback. So there's not really any the, score opportunities. Their their running back situation doesn't strike fear in anybody. No, shouldn't right now, and you know they're kind of went money ball with it. Yeah, replace Andrew Harris on the aggregate. Yeah, they're winning football games, so it's it. You could say it's working, but can can they do this all season? I don't think so. Well, next weekend's game for Winnipeg in Calgary. Calgary coming off the bye. I'd like to see that. How's that going to go? Well, here's the thing. I'm done kind of writing the Bombers off. You can't. Done done betting against Winnipeg. Also done betting against Calgary coming off a bye week. Yeah, so (laughs) it's the... Something's got to give here. Something does have to give. The immovable object versus the unstoppable Unstoppable force. force. Yeah. (laughs) But 
after these next couple weeks here, the Bombers haven't had a bye yet, and they are still banged up here. Mm-hmm. They have Greg Ellingson didn't play, Michael Couture, Jackson Jeffcoat, Kyrie Wilson, Brandon Alexander. Read the, the guys left- who did play. Janarian Grant had one target. He got into the offense a little bit. Wolitarski, Schoen, Agadosi, and Bailey. That's it. And, and got a win. And got a win. The, the last 12 weeks of the season, they have all three of their bye weeks in there. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that could go one of two ways with them being so bunched together. I, I think they're gonna they're only gonna get stronger. Yeah, but but so yeah, you can get guys rest and, and nurse some injuries. But don't you want to come to the end of that se- end of the season kind of yeah. in a bit of a rhythm? Absolutely. Right? Like we see it all the time, that team with that week twenty one bye. And if they, like especially if they if they're hosting a playoff game and they know they're hosting, they got that week twenty one bye, week twenty becomes kind of a bye. Guys are getting rest, and now you're coming in two weeks and no games, and that team gets throttled in the in the, in the semifinal. So, like, if I'm Winnipeg, I'm, I'm thinking like the third last week, fourth last week of the season would be my last bye week. That's what I would want. Yeah, and you can just roll. But I, I mean, with with an odd number of teams, somebody's got to have that bye week in the last week of the season too. It's just, yeah, it's just it sucks that they're all bunched together. We don't uh, have to go far back in history to see the last time Winnipeg beat Edmonton with seven completed passes in a game. Chris Strebler did it in 2019. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say. Uh, I vaguely remember that podcast. So apparently it's not that angry rare. I, was. <laughs> I will say, um, you know, I shook Victor Quee's hand after the game and uh, before the game, the... The atmosphere in the tailgate might have been the best atmosphere I've seen in Edmonton. It's, it's like they have no idea what what's actually going to happen <laughs> when their team takes the field. They're just happy to be out of the house. <laughs> Justin Renfro, offensive lineman for the Elks, stopped by with brisket grilled cheese, cheese sandwiches. sandwiches. I had Ooh. one when we went to Toronto for uh, the stag at the beginning of June before I got COVID. <laughs> uh, we went to brew house obviously in the airport and yeah that's what i ordered and it was phenomenal and that was at a chain so i can only imagine it would be like homemade yeah it, it was good and the the turf district fellas had a good uh good thing set up they always have a good thing set up and mm-hmm. i mean the fans are making it happen grassroots wise in that tailgate the team just needs to help them out a little bit yeah. with some wins and bring that atmosphere more but, inside the stadium yeah and i think the wins are coming just, yeah, they will. It's, it's going to be growing pains. We know what this is. It's a, it, it's kind of a half rebuild, half retooling. I mean, Chris Jones is going to find the guys, and, and this will turn around. I don't know if it's next week, but I, I don't see them being this futile the whole the entire season. I just don't see it. They are on by now, so maybe an opportunity for some guys to get healthy and back on the field or as cut. well. <laughs> or cut, yeah, or traded, or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> hey, Stashed on the PR. The, the last game of week seven, when we recorded on Wednesday with Adam from Canadian Football Countdown, I wasn't sure the game's going to happen. Ended up only being postponed by one day, 31-21, the Argos beat the Riders. Not surprising that the Argos won, considering the circumstances. Lots of players 
with COVID on the riders and then Cody Fajardo not playing, Dake Dolagala getting his first CFL start. But <laughs> the Argos let the riders stick around and the riders' defense kept them in this game all game long and it started with an interception by Darnell Sankey. But it just, when you get to the fourth quarter and Andrew Harris is getting five yards a pop, it's going to wear down any defense, and that's how I saw the game towards the end. Yeah, I just feed him the rock. Uh, he, had, he touched the ball 33 times. Wow. Like he had 26 carries and seven receptions. <laughs> that's, yeah. See, is that not I, a little ridiculous? It is. It is. Winnipeg would have liked that. You think? Um, <laughs> no, and and they said on the broadcast too, he never falls backwards. He's always falling forward. He's picking up that the, that extra one or two yards every last, time. Like, he's going. He's he's creating the contact. He's the one that's falling on the defender. He's not getting fallen on. That's wearing those guys down too. Um, I, I'm sure you do too. I'm getting real tired of the <laughs> every play. Where he's got to run forward and flex, like dude, we get, like dude, we get it. You took steroids. You have muscles. <laughs> um, I think he was extra fired up, being the fact that it was in Regina. Maybe you know but, uh, he spent you know, it, a lot of times going in there as the enemy. So yeah, you're, you're gonna guy average five and a half yards carry, 143 yards. They didn't find yeah. the end zone. Gets to that top six in the all-time rushing league. Uh, 10,000 yards. All-time, all-time rushing uh, list. Uh, first Canadian to get there. Like, you know, hell of a night for him. It's just, yeah. Saskatchewan tried to establish a run early, then abandoned it because it wasn't going anywhere. And Andrew Harris just did whatever he wanted tonight. And it was, as much as I hate to say it, like that was what you would expect. And, and it's, it's fun to watch when he does that, as much as I hate him as a human. <laughs> And a football player, it is fun to watch when he does that because he's just having his like, just at will. Well, it happened in Touchdown Atlantic where I thought, uh, especially Toronto's defensive line, kind of manhandled mm-hmm. uh, Saskatchewan's offensive line. And it happened here. Saskatchewan couldn't run the ball. Morrow had 10 carries for 25 yards. In my lineup. <laughs> Frankie Hicks in three carries for six yards. They just could not run the ball on Toronto and in no small part due to those linebackers and that defensive line that really just controlled the line of scrimmage. Like really in the second half, Jaguar Davis got mentioned more times than he has in his entire career combined, it felt like. <laughs> Like the Riders really shouldn't have been in the game considering what no. the offense did. And Consider, look at the turnovers. Yeah, exactly. Toronto turned the ball over five times. If if Cody Fajardo plays right. the game, then totally, it's totally different. It is, but so I mean, Jake Dolagala, he's <laughs> probably been in the CFL for seven weeks. So yeah, a cup of coffee. <laughs> I mean, gets thrown to the wolves. I mean, we we talked. We, you know, we can make fun of the East all we want. I think Toronto is. You look at their defensive line, offensive line. They made the additions last year, and and they're only getting better. We can figure out what McLeod Bell Thompson actually is, and and on that defensive side, like they still have guys that can make plays. And now they got 
you know, DeVarce Daniels got banged up, but Curly Gittins Jr. Cam Phillips had a touchdown tonight. They still have those names too. Like they, they're probably the best team in the East. And I mean, right now they are like, they're the number they're in first place. They're over 500. I really feel like people are still sleeping on them. McLeod Bethel Thompson. Because, because they're in the East and like everybody's writing them off. It was a, I, I didn't think it was a good throw, obviously, when Darnell Sankey picked him off. It was an athletic play, but it didn't look like that ball was going to be caught by a mm-hmm. Toronto receiver anyway. No. Uh, 30 of 38, 336 yards, two touchdowns, and Curly and Gaines they make Jr. this guy compete for starting job in Kansas. <laughs> hey, we flip-flop on him every week, too. He'll have a bad game. <laughs> He'll have a bad game next week, and we're like, what are they doing with this guy? <laughs> yeah, like, I thought they released him eight times. Maybe he should have been nine. <laughs> two wins over the Riders, and... Uh, this was a different Riders team than last week. Duke Williams. Like, I mean, you're still going suspended. in the hostile environment. We saw the yeah. line play. Yeah, it totally did. Hey, we're talking about the Canadian Andrew Harris. Is Curly Gittins Jr. the early MOC favorite? Man, uh, having one hell of a year. He had eight, eight of eight tonight, 152 yards and a touchdown. Like, I mean, it, it's – I think Nathan Rourke stole the headlines in the first couple of weeks. I guess, I and guess as a, there's as him. A quarterback, as a quarterback, it's an easy pick, right? Because it's such an impact and makes such an impact on the ball in every play. Maybe um, you have your East nominee. Maybe we should say I that. Think, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's where you're looking right now. It, I mean, if Andrew Harris keeps doing what he did tonight, I think that's more likely to happen than Curly Gittins Jr. to keep putting up 100 and some yards every night. I guess he'd have week. competition on his own team. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. No, nope. but I think I think I, he's definitely got to be, you know, in that discussion of like the top three, four guys that can come out of the East uh, as a representative. Hey, last year Curly Gittins in thirteen games, thirteen catches, six hundred and five yards, four touchdowns. Five games, twenty five catches, three hundred and fifty six yep. yards, and a touchdown. So, man, he's he's playing some good football. Went to Wilfred Laurier. He's only oh, he's not even twenty five yet. You feel old now, Ty? <laughs> I just drove thirteen hours in the last two days. How do you think I feel? <laughs> I, I think we got to talk about Dinwiddie decisions. <laughs> okay, I'm totally game for this. Saskatchewan was beating Toronto on short yardage. I, you know, I, I know we said that Toronto's defensive line, but. Saskatchewan's defensive line, considering the guys that were missing, had a great game here. They stopped Toronto third and one on the goal line. But the the, the panel mentioned it when you're handing the ball six yards back when you need one. Pretty easy to make that push. Yeah, you're helping out the defense. But going for a 61-yard field goal at the end of the first half to make your lead five instead of two – and then Super Mario Alfred returns that bad boy all the way back. Gave the Riders the momentum, and it was almost the difference in the game. Almost. So, this game's in Toronto. Does their fan boo <laughs> if they take a knee to and a half? Just like Edmonton did, because yeah. their fans booed. <laughs> right? I got no problem making that, going for that on the road. Or I don't, I don't really get point you got you're now making it so a touch a field goal doesn't give up the lead um that being said you you have to look at who you have on the field like you might want to put 
some different guys out there. And who's back there returning it? Yep. Yeah. Um, and and they asked Ryan about that in the post game. Like we were trying to get some points, and I I don't think he was too against the call from the special teams guy. Like yeah, we like didn't miss by like he had the leg. He had the leg, uh, and but I mean from that distance, it's you're looking at this like I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah. the target you're looking at is so small um, on Madden. I don't do that, but you know, that's not the only like that decision. I don't call. I wouldn't call it terrible. I think the outcome bit him in the ass. I think it's questionable at best. Like, I mean, I I'm not going to fault a guy wanting to get points, especially to end a half. Uh, but I mean, he made some <laughs> interesting decisions after. Charleston Hughes uh, gets onto the roster. He has a sack. He has a forced fumble that. I guess almost, well, no, he had the forced fumble, and then it was recovered. That one ended up leading to a touchdown by the Rough Rider offense, and then there was the bad snap where Hughes batted it forward, and we thought he had the touchdown. Man, the kick it so he's onside. I know. I I guess you learn something new about uh, the CFL, and, you know, I've – I you know I see the guys batted out of bounds on fumbles and stuff because you're the last person to get the possession, but yeah. it's it's one of those wrinkles. It's not a wrinkle, but it's the way the rule is that if it went off yeah. his foot. So and I, when you ask the question in our group chat about why guys don't get flagged because no, nobody's picking that ball. Yeah, out. it's just going out, out, of bounds. out of bounds. Yeah, right. So that's so the ball goes back to like it doesn't. You don't get the ball where it goes out of bounds. You get the ball where you touch it. So that's where. They would have given Charleston the ball or given Saskatchewan where Charleston touched the ball yeah. and minus the penalty yards, right? Now, Super Mario had the big uh, missed field goal return, but then tries to do it all himself. There are, you know, five Argos in pursuit on a kickoff at the end of the game. Stay with uh, me, Trav. Backdoor <laughs> cover. He fumbles the ball. Argos recover, get the uh, touchdown. So then they get the 10-point lead. I think, what was the spread? Three points? Three. Three. Wow. So you were sweating a little bit there. Well, I didn't chase. I only put, like, a small amount. But, like. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think Saskatchewan was going to be in the game at all. I didn't think it was going to be an interesting game. But somehow it was. I figured when I was leaving my parents at halftime. Like, I got there just as the game started. I'm like, I'll leave at halftime. The game will be over. I can go home. I can, you know, <laughs> try to catch up on stats and eat some supper. And then yeah. all of a sudden, the game was like, what the hell is happening? Uh, with that Alfred thing, like, I get he's trying to make a play. But if he doesn't get a touchdown there, he's killed 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I said it in the chat. So if this was Madden, his awareness went from 99 to 1. You would have been better to get 10 yards and get out of bounds. I, I, if I'm Dickinson? No. <laughs> Come on. He kept a minute with the missed field goal return. And I don't think any returner in the CFL would have been. Well, others would have been able to do it, but not not yeah. all of them. I mean, I'm I'm throwing baseball bats in the shower and finding the guys a hundred bucks. We're not in there with 10 seconds after that. Play. 
you don't get that reference, then I feel sorry for you. The Rough Rider offense, four for 17 on second down conversion. So it really was the defense, the special no, and they teams only lost kept by 10. I know. I know. <laughs> this is again uh, where Montreal tried to lose against Ottawa. Toronto really tried to lose against Saskatchewan. And if they had their starters in this game, Saskatchewan would have won. But they didn't, and that's the way the bounces go in CFL football. This episode of To and Out is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. All right, let's talk about fantasy here, the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. We both had wins, right? I was over us. You lost? Oh, yeah. After I beat Mike on Friday night, I'm like, ooh, rough week for Super, Super Pen Mike. He's like, oh. You don't even know, like, all just all around. And then, yeah, I beat me by, like, two points tonight. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he beat you by point three. <laughs> because he had the Argo defense. Oh, defense. Wow. Ain't that a kick in the nuts? You needed four yards from Jamal Morrow. Who I'm was, well aware of what I needed. <laughs> who is the receiver that got you a goose egg? Um, that's a great question. I blocked that out of my memory. Kean Schaefer uh, Baker, eight no, targets. Char- Charles Nelson. Kean Schaefer Baker, eight targets, no catches Zero. in this one. So I assumed it might have been him. No, I took Charles Nelson. I'm like, oh, Winnipeg's going to score 40 points and he can return some kicks. <laughs> I actually had uh, the highest score this week until after that game uh, in the league. Uh, when you sent your score on Thursday night, and you're like, oh, or it might have been Friday, and I still had like three players left. I'm like, I was going to message you and be like, oh, I'm going to catch you. <laughs> you're getting cocky, Mario. And, so my lineup, I had 105 and a half points, my best week of the season. Did uh, Mike really have 81.1? He had 80.1. Oh my god! And you had seventy nine point eight. Well, you know you got to win the close games. Like you gotta, <laughs> if you can't do them now, you're not. If you're not gonna, if you can't win the close ones now. You're not gonna win the close ones in the playoffs. So maybe I should just miss the playoffs. Just get get a high draft pick. My my Caleb Evans had me thirty three point one. William Powell had eight point nine. Malik Irons six point one. Jalen Acklin eighteen point three. Dalton Schoen twenty four point six. Tim White ten point five, and the Red Blacks four points. <laughs> hey, despite uh, Montreal putting up forty, I was uh, I was happy they had a positive night anyway. Hey, Walter Fletcher. <laughs> I still also, just so shocked by this. Are we are we aware we've been pronouncing David Cote's first name wrong this entire time? How do you say it? David. Oh, that. Yeah, that's how the radio guys do it. And I'm like, that sounds made up. 
That's news to me too. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> Who are the other top performers in fantasy? Well, I can tell you they're not on my roster, but <laughs> except for one. Caleb Evans obviously led the week. He's the fa- he's going to be the fantasy hero the rest of the way, isn't he? Yeah, this is ridiculous. 33.1. Trevor Harris, 22. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, 21.1. Dom Davis, 18.6. And Dane Evans uh, outscored Nathan Rourke, uh, 16.3 to 14.8. Wow. Uh, running back-wise, Andrew Harris kind of ran away with it, pun intended, uh, 25.8. James Butler, 14.4 in second place. And then William Powell, uh, Jamal Morrow, and Jeshua Nantry were all from 8.9 to 7.9. And running back is like just proving, like, don't spend that much money on money. it. And we talked about Brady Oliveira. Is much, like You don't want to put him in 6.2. He was fifth or sixth. Sorry. Wow. Right? Like, it's such a crapshoot. You, you got to hit, like, I mean, Walter Fletcher two weeks ago or last week was lights out. This week, 2.3. I almost feel like you should be able to put a backup quarterback in your running backs. You can. <laughs> oh, you. Kai Loxley. I guess. <laughs> I was going to file a grievance with our league. <laughs> Tired of all these shenanigans going on. These people are starting defenses. <laughs> I'm rattled right now. How are the. Re- uh, you, you were <laughs> shocked by that point three oh, point man, loss. I Hey, your Uh, fingers crossed for a score correction. No doubt. Uh, (laughs) Curly Gittins Jr. led the way. That seems wrong, but I'll have to double check it. But as of right now, what I have, 29.2. Darvin Adams, 26.8. Lucky Whitehead, 25.1. Dalton Schoen, 24.6. That matches what I have. And Hergie Mayala, uh, 21.2. There you go. And there are good defense. Yeah, I guess, hey. You might have an 8 for 8 for 152. Yeah. There you go. Week seven of the CFL season. We're just cruising through this year, man. Oh, I'm getting tired. Hey, are you going to be here on Thursday? Yeah. As long as we're done before we go roping up. Okay, buddy. I appreciate that. Two shows in a row for Ty. Or we? Oh no, we don't have to record after our weekend. This is the greatest day of my life. Watch <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe to Two It Out on your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.